For our Crypto Clip segment today, I'm joined by Jamie Benedetti, a certified financial planner and one of our founders and partners at the firm, to discuss updates on the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF that we discussed in our last episode. If you haven't listened to the last Crypto Clip, we recommend pausing now and listening to that episode for more context. And a quick disclosure is that if we're referencing cryptocurrency in client portfolios, that's only applicable at Benedetti Gooser and Associates and not Beam Wealth Advisors. Uh, love to start with an icebreaker every episode. Today is Friday the 13th. Very spooky. Uh, it's a superstitious, unlucky day. Um, Jamie, I know you played college soccer and sports at a high level. Do you or have you had any superstitions? Um, you know, as an a- as a college athlete, I wasn't very superstitious, but I felt like I got more so as I got older. You know, like I wouldn't I, I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't overtly say like, oh, I do this. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, eh, I shouldn't change this routine. You know, it's things are going well, especially now that I coach soccer. I, I definitely yeah. felt it more so last season. Um, you know, you you saw that, but we we had a, a my high school team made it to the state championships and. Um, there were definitely some times along the way where I was like, this is stupid, but I still don't, I'm not going to change this routine. <laughs> I feel like once you get in a routine and a rhythm and if it's working, you really don't want to affect that. Um, there is something to that, you know, just having a routine. And I think superstition pl- for a lot of athletes plays into it, you know, where they'll in their mind it's superstition, but there's also something about doing the same thing every time. And it, it just kind of puts you in your comfort zone. But I will uh, play devil's advocate here. My roommate at Dayton, um, you know, went on to play professional soccer for, you know, probably a decade. And, you know, he was drafted, played a couple of years in the MLS and he was number 13. And he and, and he was like this very analytical. He was a chemical engineering major and was very adamant, like, ah, I'm not superstitious and, and <laughs> almost like got number 13 to prove it. <laughs> interesting. That's interesting. Cool. Well, I know there's been significant updates in the cryptocurrency landscape since our last episode, so want to jump right into it. Yeah, absolutely. So one one correction, um, we can definitely recap on the BlackRock ETF filing, but uh, today we really want to talk about the Grayscale lawsuit against the SEC. And it, this all still pertains to a spot ETF, but it's the Grayscale lawsuit that is... Um, it's kind of old news now. It's been a couple of weeks, but it is pretty significant, and we want to we want to unpack that issue for our clients. Sounds good. Well, let's get right into it. Hello, and welcome to the Map Your Money podcast, a production of BGA Teams. We exist to simplify the lives of our clients and listeners, and help you lay the course to meet your financial goals. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence of investing. Calls are pre-screened and the show was pre-recorded earlier this week. All right. So since the last time we talked about that BlackRock spot ETF, I know there's been more news. Uh, So what's happened since then and and why is it significant? Sure. So uh, the most recent news is that Grayscale won its lawsuit against the SEC. Um, And I mean, that was... We, we sort of expected it, but uh, that, that is a big deal. Yeah. So I know we, we talked about that lawsuit in, the, in that last episode. And again, for more context, feel free to go back and listen to that last episode. But can you give us a, a super quick recap of, of what happened with that Grayscale lawsuit against the SEC? Yeah. So Grayscale has, has made it quite clear that you know, they have a publicly, tr- they have a, tr- a private trust 
that is trading on the secondary market. And they've made it quite clear they want to convert this private trust to an ETF, a spot Bitcoin ETF. And, and by spot, what I really mean is they, they just it goes out and buys Bitcoin. Uh, that application has been denied by the SEC, as have numerous other spot Bitcoin applications. But at the same time, the SEC has approved multiple futures Bitcoin ETFs. And Grayscale essentially filed a lawsuit saying, hey, this doesn't make sense. You're applying an, in, you're, you're applying an inconsistent standard and you need to apply things evenly. And um, they, they won and they won overwhelmingly. The SEC came, or sorry, the courts came down pretty aggressively in, uh, in Grayscale's favor. Interesting. So what's the difference, I guess, in the SEC's eyes in terms of approving a futures-based product and not this spot ETF historically? Well, that's just it, Ars. That was the, the premise of Grayscale's uh, lawsuit, is that, that that decision didn't make any sense. If we think about what futures are for, right? Futures are, are similar to options with, with stocks. Typically, futures um, are used with commodities. And the original reason you had futures was, let's say you're a, a corn farmer and the price of corn fluctuates based on weather and crops and so forth. You can kind of hedge your, your profits. You know, you can, you can guarantee that you're going to sell corn at a certain price and you might be fine with that. Even if the price of corn is triple that, you at least know you're not going to lose money on it, right? Um, and that's the case for a lot of different commodities. That's how, that's what futures were originally intended for. Now in the financial world, you can also use futures contracts to get exposure to a certain asset. And um, there's other ways to get exposure to the asset. You can just buy the asset, but it's not always feasible to buy that asset and store it. So as an example, if you're going to buy gold, yeah, you can, you can buy gold and you can store it in a warehouse. If you're buying oil, Eh, it's not, you know, it's perishable. It's really dangerous. Uh, same thing with corn, with soybeans, with pork bellies, all these, uh, all these types of commodities. It makes sense to have a futures contract. So um, now if as an investor, if you want to get access just to the price of that, and you may, you know, you may think that inflation is going to be really high and you want access to something that is going to, you know, be in, resistant to inflation. Well, You'd buy a futures contract, but the problem is that futures contract eventually expires and then you have to buy that commodity. And so what you do is you roll it as it's expiring, you roll it into the next month. And then as it expires again, you roll it into the next month. And the problem with that is that there's a cost. There's a cost to roll it from one month to the next. So um, essentially, in the case of Bitcoin, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's the argument Grayscale is making. Now, the SEC's argument was that we're doing this to avoid price man manipulation. But the reality is that the futures price is, you know, it's going to be 99.9% .9 of the time. It's going to be exactly the same as the, as the spot price. So it didn't make a lot of sense. Um, I think a lot, of, I think the consensus is, you know, the real reason they were doing this was more political was because uh, it's not clear what regulatory agency has authority to regulate Bitcoin and Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies. Whereas futures, it is very clear, it's the CFTC that regulates futures. And so that's likely the reason it was approved, but it's a far inferior product. It's definitely not as good for clients. It's more expensive. There's just a whole bunch of reasons why uh, you'd much rather have a, a, a spot Bitcoin ETF. Uh, one of the lowest hanging fruit 
is the cost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I guess with them winning the trial, what does that mean for Grayscale and their product GBTC as an investment vehicle uh, going forward? Well, there's a couple of things worth pointing out. Um, one is that this does not mean the SEC has to approve a Grayscale ETF, uh, but it does bring us a step closer, uh, you know, okay. arguably several steps closer, because uh, they essentially have to come back and either approve it or deny it for different reasons. In other words, the court saying, OK, the reasons you gave weren't valid. You know, you got to go back to the drawing board. If you want to deny it, you got to come up with some better reasons. Um, and they, you know, they, they do have up to a certain point, which I think is up to today to appeal the decision, which they may do, but I think that that's unlikely given everything I've read. It sounds like the court was, uh, was pretty harsh in terms of the, the, the wording of this, of this decision. So that's the first piece. Now, um, what does it mean for Grayscale Bitcoin trust in particular? This is really interesting. We talked about this in the last podcast, but this isn't a great product in and of itself in that it's a trust that trades on the secondary market. And it, it's going to operate a lot like a closed end mutual fund, meaning that it can trade at a premium or at a discount to the underlying assets. And in the past, there was a period of time when it traded at a big premium because there was no other way to buy Bitcoin inside of investment vehicles early, in early days. It's been trading at a deep, deep discount for a long time long time. Um, you know, that discount got down to somewhere 40 to 50% discount to the net asset value. Why is that? Well, because there's no way to actually redeem the shares and get your Bitcoin. The only thing you can do is sell the shares of the trust to someone else who's willing to buy them. Uh, now, the, the reason this is so significant is that if we do have a spot Bitcoin ETF and they convert to a spot Bitcoin ETF, that discount to NAV is going to close to zero because of the mechanics of how ETFs work. Um, one of the, the things that makes that make um, that makes ETFs such a great investment vehicle is just that, that you can arbitrage away any discrepancy because what will happen is if there's a discount to NAV, you can redeem shares. In other words, take destroy shares of the trust, take the corresponding Bitcoin and you sell the Bitcoin. Opposite happens if there's a premium. If there's a premium, you can go out and buy more shares of Bitcoin and create more shares of the trust. And so that mechanism means you're never going to have that price discrepancy, but that's only going to happen if we have a spot ETF. So I guess with this trial um, going in Grayscale's favor, have we seen that discount uh, decrease at all and, and get closer to that net asset value amount? That is a great question. So probably at it's nadir, that discount was, it got close to 50%. Um, oh. The last podcast we did, I believe was on August 15th, and the discount went down to about 25%. So it was in the, it was in the mid forties, it went down to about 25%. That was on the news of the BlackRock ETF application. So that was before this trial had concluded, before the, the grayscale decision had come through. This was just on the news that BlackRock was filing a spot ETF application. And that alone got a lot of people excited thinking, all right, something's up. BlackRock's a big issuer. They're not going to do this willy nilly. Well, so it, so it went from the 40s to about a 25% discount. Today, that discount is, uh, is about 16.5%. I think it's 16.59. So you can see that 
that that discount to NAV is closing if an ETF is approved, or if I should say, if the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust converts to an ETF, that's eventually going to go to zero. Okay. And so you mentioned that the SEC is still able to appeal. Um, let's say they appeal and it doesn't go through or they choose not to appeal and it, everything goes in Grayscale's favor. What would happen next for, for Grayscale in terms of that conversion into that spot ETF? What, is, what does that look like? Well, I think one other piece I didn't mention, but it's important to point out is that there's really two things affecting the price of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, right? So one is the discount or premium to the net asset value. The other is the actual price of Bitcoin. So none of these trials really, I shouldn't say they're not affecting the price of Bitcoin. They may inadvertently affect the price. And uh, there are definitely second order consequences to an ETF being approved because it means a lot of institutional money is going to flow into Bitcoin. There's a finite amount of Bitcoin. So that's going to drive the price up. But theoretically, you know, this is really separate from the price of Bitcoin. This is really just what's the relationship between the shares of the trust and the um, and the underlying NAV. And that was a big reason we chose to invest this way, because we felt like that 40% discount presented a huge margin of safety as, as a way to purchase Bitcoin as part of a portfolio. Now, that's only the case if you're a long-term investor, if you're planning on holding this for a while. In the short term, you know the price of Bitcoin could go up, but the the discount to net asset value could go down and you might not make any money. In the long term, we we really felt we felt very strongly that a Bitcoin ETF is a spot Bitcoin ETF is coming. It's only a matter of time. And if the SEC is going to approve a futures based ETF, which is far inferior, more costly, uh, they're going to have a really hard time justifying not having a spot Bitcoin ETF. And in fact, that's how Canada got a spot Bitcoin ETF. Uh, there was a company called 3IQ. They sued the equivalent of the Canadian SEC. And that's why they've had a spot Bitcoin ETF for, I don't even know, probably over a year now. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, I know we're, we're bullish on cryptocurrency and Bitcoin in general. Um, but another, as you mentioned, margin of safety was being able to purchase it with that, that discount as well. Um, allows us to believe that if this spot ETF happens, uh, and we believed it, it'd only be a matter of time. And, and now that's becoming closer and closer to fruition. Um, we get that, that, uh, increase in, in value while that, that discount goes away. In addition to, to holding on that asset class over a long period of time. Um, like, like you said. So, um, I, I think it's, it's interesting and, and to, to see that come to, to fruition and to continue to follow this, this lawsuit. And it's interesting that you mentioned that. That's been accepted in Canada. I actually didn't know that um, in, in terms of uh, their spot ETF. So I guess what what do you think is next for for following this lawsuit in, in case and uh, I guess for Grayscale in general? Well, I, I think that the um, the regulatory and political winds are shifting. Uh, the, you know, this has been a severe blow to the SEC, who's been uh, Gary Gensler's administration or G Gary Gensler's SEC has been very unfriendly to Bitcoin, to crypto broadly. And um, unfriendly is the, the wrong word. They've, they've just not, they, they've been trying to make it hard to do business, even to do it 
properly, even for the good guys, the companies that are saying, hey, we want to do this right. We want to follow the rules. There's been no clarity as far as what are the rules? What do we need to do? And um, so this has been a big blow. And there has been a lot of backlash against the SEC saying, hey, you're actually creating problems for investors. And so uh, I think as a result of this, it's kind of weakened their hand. And one of the things that we've seen almost immediately after the Grayscale decision was that there were a number of Ethereum futures-based ETFs uh, that were applied for and approved very, very quickly. So they went from, you know, uh, like fighting tooth and nail on Bitcoin, which is the, the largest cryptocurrency by market cap, to now approving several Ethereum ETFs. Now, again, they're futures ETFs, but it tells you what's likely going to happen. Uh, if, you know, if we do get a spot Bitcoin approval, uh, an Ethereum spot or, or a spot Ethereum ETF probably isn't far behind. Yeah, I feel like it's very hard for them to say to approve a spot Bitcoin ETF, but then deny a spot Ethereum ETF or, or these other Especially tokens. Especially if, well. if they've approved futures Ethereum ETFs. Exactly. And this, is, this was really part of the initial thesis when we chose these investment vehicles. We said, all right, we want to get access. We we believe in the underlying fundamentals. How do we do this as safely as possible for our clients? And the the thinking was okay, Bitcoin and Ethereum, Bitcoin is the most likely to become an ETF first. Ethereum is further down the line, but probably next in line. And so we bought the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust and the Grayscale Ethereum Trust. And then the third position we bought for clients is BITW, which is the Bitwise Crypto 10, which is a broader index that again is primarily Bitcoin and Ethereum, but has uh, some smaller cryptocurrencies by market cap. That one is a long way off. We don't see that one becoming an ETF anytime soon because it's just, it's a taller order to approve an ETF that has so many different cryptocurrencies in it. But that said, if you look at the discount to NAV, uh, several months ago, I think both the Grayscale Ethereum Trust and the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust were similar. They were down in the 40s, mid 40s discount. At this point, with the, the Grayscale lawsuit, with the BlackRock ETF application, that discount to NAV on the Bitcoin trust has closed pretty significantly. The Ethereum one has as well, but it's it's still wider because it's it's likely further out, right? So the I think the discount to NAV on GBTC, the Grayscale Bitcoin trust is around 16.5%. I believe on ETHE, which is the Grayscale Ethereum trust, it's closer to, I want to say like 25, 26%. So still some opportunity there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it'll be interesting to continue to watch uh, that discount and, and how this lawsuit accumulates with these ETFs being approved or uh, if there is another appeal. But um, we'll make sure to, to keep the listeners uh, informed. And uh, Jamie, I appreciate you uh, explaining your insights. I know this news is not as mainstream and, and a little bit harder to follow if you're not in the right channel. So I uh, appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights. Absolutely, Arsh. Always happy to talk about this. All information provided through this presentation is for educational purposes only and does not constitute investment, legal, or tax advice. It is not an offer to buy or sell any security or any insurance product. This is not an endorsement of any third party or such third party's views. 
The information contained herein has been obtained from sources we believe to be reliable and is not guaranteed as to its accuracy or completeness. Whenever there are references to third-party content, this information is intended to provide additional perspective and should not be construed as an endorsement of any services, products, guidance, individuals, or points of view outside Benedetti, Gooser & Associates, and Beam Wealth Advisors. All examples are hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only. Benedetti, Gooser & Associates, and Beam Wealth Advisors do not offer tax or legal advice. Interested parties are strongly encouraged to seek advice from qualified tax and or legal experts regarding the best options for your particular circumstances.